0: This week on the Docs to Dads podcast, we are discussing the last tool in the Raising Resilient Kids Toolbox. We've covered safety and security, compassionate, predictable availability, and the emotional container. And this week, we discuss the development of empathy through keeping the child's mind in mind. This is another piece of the puzzle to helping children learn to process their emotions and learn to understand the emotions of others. come join us this week on episode 43 of the Docs to Dads podcast. Hello and welcome to the Docs to Dads podcast a health and wellness resource for any dad looking to actively engage with their health, the health of their children and and building a stronger, healthier community around their family. Each week, Dr. Scott, a board-certified pediatrician, will explore topics relevant to child health and how dads can be an active participant in their growth, development, and other issues that affect children and the whole family. Welcome back to the Docs to Dads podcast. I'm Dr. Scott Grant, your host, I am so thankful to all of you for tuning into the podcast this week. Uh, for regular listeners to the show, uh, by the time you hear this, it is very likely that baby number three has arrived, so look forward to learning more about that in future episodes. Uh, I'm trying to bank a bunch of uh, episodes before baby comes, uh, and this should be the first one that airs after baby uh, has arrived, although that's not certain to be true. And if you are new to the show, this is your first time listening in, I just want to say a big welcome and thank you for joining me. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear about how you found the show. If there's anything that I can do to support your journey as a dad, I would love to hear about that. Please feel free to connect with me on social media or shoot me an email at docs2dadspod at gmail.com. This is the final installment of a five-part series on raising resilient, thriving children, so I hope you'll make time to go back and check out the last few episodes that'll help provide a little bit of context for this episode. Let's get into it. Growing up as a child of the 90s, one of my favorite cartoons was the classic Fox animated X-Men series. This was my first exposure to the comic book slash superhero genre, and these continue to be some of my favorite comic book characters. Uh, So for those of you who are too young or less nerdy than me, the X-Men are a group of heroes who have all developed a genetic mutation called the X-Gene. And this gene manifests itself in different ways within each member of the team. So those of you who are more nerdy than me, forgive me for not knowing the exact right descriptions of these folks. I'm, I'm getting to a point here. <laughs> so Cyclops, for example, is the leader of the team and he can basically shoot laser beams from his eyes. It gets much deeper than that. He's actually like opening his eyes to a as a portal to another dimension, something about energy. But the Eight-year-old me appreciated that he was shooting laser beams out of his eyes. There's the anti-hero Wolverine who has incredible healing powers that allows him to re- recover quickly from an injury. Storm can control the weather. Rogue can absorb the life energy from anyone that she touches. You get the idea. There's a lot of these. Nightcrawler was one of my favorites, right? He could teleport wherever he wanted to go. There's a ton of these that are that are really awesome. The mentor of the team is Professor Charles Xavier, who has been brilliantly played in recent films by Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy. Professor Xavier is a telepath, and this means that he can actually get into the mind of other people and understand their emotions and their motivations, and he can really sense their fear or their insecurity. So he can really get into their mind and understand exactly what's going on in there, both the good and the bad. And this is how he is able to locate mutants across the globe. He uses a a special magnifier of his telepathic abilities to find mutants across the globe in order to recruit them to join the team. While Professor Xavier, Professor X as he's called, can get into the minds of other people and perfectly understand their emotions We all have the ability on some level to step into another person's shoes and try to understand their perspective. And this is the final tool parents must use in order to raise resilient, thriving children, both in the sense that parents need to have this skill to understand their children, and it's a a skill that we need to help our children develop so that they can go out into the world and be resilient and to thrive. And so this is in the trauma-informed care space, this is an idea that we call keeping the child's mind in mind. Some folks might call this perspective taking. Uh, There's a couple of different sort of technical terms for this, but the way I think about it uh, most intuitively is sort of this ability to like stand in someone else's shoes and understand their point of view. So When your child is melting down in front of you, uh, you have to, one, ensure that they are physically safe as they sort of are processing whatever it is that that they're going through. And then you can be available to them through attentive non-intervention like we've talked about in previous episodes. Then they're going to need to unload some of those emotions on us. And we're just going to accept those emotions and what are we going to do with them? We're going to put them straight into the emotional container without internalizing them or reacting to those emotions in the moment, right? So that's all the things that we've talked about over the last few weeks, keeping them safe being compassionately and predictably available to them so that you can they can feel safe unloading their emotions on you if that's what they need to do then what do you do with those emotions when they're passed on to you you put them into the emotional container you don't let them come into you and you certainly don't react to those emotions in the moment because they may or may not be an accurate reflection of what your child is going through they're just processing right and so this then we come to the last step which is really tricky, especially when we're talking about young kids, but we try to place ourselves in the child's shoes and see the world from their perspective as a means to try to understand these emotions that are being given to us. So we don't want to internalize those emotions. We don't want to react to those emotions, but we do want to seek to understand those emotions and respond to them, right? I've talked a lot in my content in the past about the difference between reacting and responding. And that is really what we're trying to get to the heart of here. But none of that can happen unless we seek first to understand what is happening in the mind of our child. And so this will allow us to help our children name the emotions that they're feeling and understand the conflict that's at the heart of the emotions that they're processing. And so by putting ourselves in their shoes, we can now know how to best advise them moving forward. So we may not see the problem the same way. We may not even think that what they think is a problem is actually a problem, right? This may not even be a problem that needs to be solved. But if we first acknowledge and validate the feelings that the child is having around the conflict, then we can talk about what is the possible response to that issue. And that might include the option of no response at all. We just sort of let it go, right? And so that's another key piece to this. So we should give a language to this experience when we are doing this, right? In previous episodes, we've talked about how we co-regulate. We go alongside our children and try to help them process this. And one of the ways that we do this is by sort of talking through our experiences out loud. And so if you can give a language to that, you might use phrases like, it seems like you are feeling insert name here. Or if I were in your shoes, I might feel something like that. This might be made even better if you have an experience from your life that is similar to what your child's challenge currently is. Uh, You know, one silly example, but it's amazing that when I tell my son that his grandpa, my dad, doesn't like broccoli either, but he eats it anyway, it makes my son more likely to sort of give up and actually just eat his broccoli. He's like, Pop-Pop doesn't like broccoli either? No, Pop-Pop doesn't like broccoli. But he eats it anyway? Yeah, he does. Well, I guess that's what big boys do. And then off off we are. And he'll take, you know, he's not eating whole plates of broccoli, but it at least get him to take those two or three bites that we're working on, right? And so that's kind of a silly example, but it is one of those things where if you just try to see it from the child's perspective and give a little bit of language to like, sometimes we... You know, I understand that you don't want to do this, but sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do because there's some benefit to it. And if we can work through that and share our own experience, then that might be useful. So you might say something like, when I was a kid, I had a fight with my best friend over something like this, right? And share your experience. And this helps your child realize that they aren't the only person in the universe to have ever had this problem that needed to be worked through right? And it opens them up to the possibility that there are solutions to this problem, right? So hopefully you found some peaceful resolution with your best friend when you went through whatever it was that you're trying to share. If not, you might seek to find a different example, but if if so, then then maybe it's sort of a heavy enough situation where that is the right response. And so, but if you seek first to just Take your child's perspective and then share your own perspective, then you guys can practice seeing the world from each other's perspectives, and that helps move us forward. Even better than that, and maybe even more important than that, is that when you demonstrate the desire to understand their perspective, it opens them up to practice taking on the perspective of other kids involved in the situation. So, a question like, It seems like you're frustrated about what happened. How do you think your friend is feeling about that now? right? So you've taken the time to understand their perspective, stand in their shoes and say, like, I can see that you're frustrated by that. And I can see maybe why you're frustrated about that. But how do you think your friend is feeling now? might get them to actually try to step into their friend's shoes and try to understand the conflict from their perspective, right? So their first response might be how they wish you know, how they wish the other person would feel. Uh, But if you sort of encourage them to go through the exercise a little bit more thoroughly, then they might actually rethink that and say, like, hmm, maybe there is something, you know, that happened that, you know, I can understand why we got into this argument. Right. And so empathy is a skill that has to be practiced. Right. And so the more opportunities you give your child to sort of take on the perspective of other people, whether that's you as a parent or their siblings or their friends, then the better they're going to get at it. So it comes more naturally to some than others. uh, But those who can practice empathy are more likely to have meaningful friendships and practice gratitude uh, and servant leadership in their future where these are all like really meaningful skills that will allow them to thrive in educational and personal and professional settings, right? And so that's why some of this is so important. But at the heart of it you know, keeping the child's mind in mind is also really practical for a parent who is struggling to keep their cool during an interaction with the child, right? So if you're trying first to step into the shoes of your child and see the world from their perspective, that will make you less likely to overreact or to label their behavior as sort of intentional or malignant uh, when they just in reality, they just don't fully understand what's happening or they don't know the full context of the situation. Right. And so as I'm writing this, it reminds me of my son. He loves playing with trains and boats. And so he's got all these little toys. um, And if he doesn't have his toys with him, just whatever he can find, he's happy to like get on the floor and push it around and pretend that it's a train or a boat or something like that. Right. And so he is just in his own little world while he's doing this. And so, If I'm trying to get his attention to like, hey, we need to do something different. You need to move to a different spot. It's time to eat dinner, whatever the case may be. He's so engrossed in what he's doing that he doesn't even know that I exist, right? And so he's not intentionally ignoring me. He's not trying to upset me. He's just in his own little world and he's having a fun time and there's no reason for him to step out of that world. And he may not even be cognitively aware that I'm speaking to him, right? So I have a couple of options in that scenario, right? The first one is I can scream at him. I can say, hey, pay attention. I'm talking to you. Who do you think you are, right? I can get angry, right? I can get furious, right? And then he, like, breaks out of this trance that he's in while he's playing his game. And he doesn't know why he's being yelled at. He's shocked. He, like then he doesn't know what to do. Then he probably throws a tantrum because he's so overwhelmed by his feelings. Like, I don't want to eat dinner. I've just been like shocked and I want to play and I don't want to eat dinner. I'm not hungry right now. I'm scared. You know, that's the response, right? Or my other option is to get curious, right? I can get down on his eye level while he's playing. I can try to gently interrupt his play, right? And I can say, hey, buddy, I can see you're playing here. Can we get the trains into the station, the boats into the dock? Let's find a stopping point. And in a minute or two, we're going to have to get up at the table. And we're going to say grace and we're going to have dinner. And in that situation, it's not a hundred percent guarantee, but in that situation, he's much more likely to say, okay, and put his toys away and come to dinner. Uh, and, and we have a much more pleasant interaction. And so... That highlights uh, a phrase that I really like to use uh, with families and and frankly with myself is um, that Dr. Forkey says a lot. I talked a little bit about Dr. Forkey a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. She always says, get curious, not furious, right? And so if you can respond in that moment to sort of understand what is going through my child's mind right now, such that you can take on their perspective and help them navigate from where they are to where you want them to be. That's going to work a lot more effectively than hitting the roof and getting furious and screaming and all those kinds of things, right? And so the more you can help them with that transition, the better off they're going to be. And all of that starts with perspective taking, it all starts with having the child's mind in mind. And with our son, we've actually already started trying to get him to understand his sister's perspective when they're struggling to take turns or he takes a toy away from him. So we do like, How do you think your sister feels when you take that toy away from her, right? And then for younger kids, even more basic questions might be to just start asking questions about the pictures of people in books that you're reading, right? So if you see a picture of somebody who's happy or sad, just trying to get them to understand that those facial features reflect the emotions that that person is feeling in the book. And this is a good way to get even young kids starting to think about just the sort of Strange reality that as humans, we have the ability to understand other people's emotions based on how they look and what they say, and those kinds of things, which is a really cool feature of humanity. (laughs) And so, the more you can sort of teach them about, you know, is this baby happy or sad? Uh, Is that baby crying or laughing? You know, these types of questions really get kids in the habit of starting to practice that skill of empathy. So, seeking to understand the perspective of others. And so they will do this more effectively if you demonstrate it for them when they are the ones having a hard time and they just need someone to understand their perspective. Because if in their moment of need, you're willing to show them grace and you're willing to make sure that they're safe and you're willing to be available to them and you're present with them in those hard moments and you take those big feelings that they're having and you just you don't take them personally, you don't internalize them, you dump them into the emotional container and then you say I understand what you're going through. I understand that you're frustrated and I can see why you would be frustrated in this situation. They see that in their moment of dysregulation, you're seeking to be there for them. They're going to be m- more likely in In future times when somebody else is dysregulated, whether that's a sibling or a friend or somebody like that, to show them that grace and to step into that relationship in a meaningful way and to see the world from the other person's perspective. And that's where empathy gets developed. And so the more you can do these exercises, both in the heat of the moment, which is the harder way to do this, right? And so we have to do some work on ourselves as dads to also be able to do Uh, This thing, because this is something uh, that, again, doesn't always come supernaturally to all dads. Uh, You know, some dads do this a little more intuitively than others, but the more you can just do it as an exercise. And when your child is feeling overwhelmed for yourself, just say, time out. What is going on in my child's mind And throw away the impulse to say like, oh, my child is just being crazy, or that my child is intentionally trying to upset me, or my child is pushing my buttons, or any of these kinds of things. Because the reality is, for most kids, that's not what's happening. If they can do well, they do. Kids want to do well. They want to be strong. They want to be grown up. They want to show you that they're grown up. And especially as you get into that adolescent phase You know, they're just trying to demonstrate that they can make decisions for themselves. And sometimes those are good and sometimes they're bad and sometimes they need help. And so I think if you move away from attributing like my child is just intentionally misbehaving or intentionally causing trouble, whether they're a toddler or a teenager, you're going to have a more meaningful interaction with your child in that moment. And you're going to be able to make progress toward a more meaningful outcome. And so keep that in mind. And so this is a, a way in which we'll sort of wrap up this series on raising resilient, thriving kids with those four tools in the toolbox. Safety and security, compassionate, predictable availability, emotional container, and keeping the child's mind in mind. And if you can use those four steps whenever your child is dealing with some heavy emotions, or even if they're not. If you can just continue to be available to them, and continue to try to understand how they're seeing the world, even as they're trying to maybe strive to achieve goals, right? We've used a lot of negative uh, examples of this. I'm realizing as I'm as I'm trying to wrap up these thoughts, but there are positive. Applications of this as well, right? Your child might be positively aspiring to something. They want to go to a certain college, or they want to have a certain type of career, or they want to achieve some other kind of uh, athletic or or uh, arts goal, and that's what they're trying to get to. And so, it might be important for you to understand why they're frustrated when they have a setback with that. But it might also be important for you to understand what is at the heart of that goal. What is it that they're actually? Trying to achieve—is it just that end, or is there some other pressure that's being put on them to go to a particular school or or uh, be a certain career or something like that—that that might open the doors to more meaningful conversations about how to find happiness and fulfillment in life, right? And so we've talked a lot about sort of negative examples of like there's a lot of you know heavy emotions that you need to put aside, but you might also find yourself having conversations with your child about. The good things that happen in life and how how to manage those accomplishments as well and how to use those accomplishments uh, not to rest on our laurels, but to actually strive for more or to leverage that into some other type of of growth um, and development within within your child. And so thinking about that idea of empathy, right? Or you might use that as an opportunity, you know, your child won or did really well in some competition to help them understand, like, what do you think the other folks in the competition are feeling like now? Because there's a possibility that somewhere down the line, they'll be involved in a competition of some kind, and maybe they aren't the the winner of that competition. And so knowing, like, how would you respond in that moment and how might you bounce back or how might you use that to continue to grow and develop, right? So there's all kinds of different ways that you can apply this idea of keeping somebody else's mind in mind. That are the fruit of starting when they're young, of you demonstrating that skill of saying, what is going on in my child's mind and how can I be available to them and how can I use that information to help them grow and to help them become resilient and to thrive into adulthood, which is the end game of all of this, right? We're not trying to raise good kids, we're trying to raise good adults and I think keeping that in perspective is important as well. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. I hope you've enjoyed this Raising Resilient and Thriving Children series. Um, I hope you'll consider subscribing to my newsletter that's just for dads. It comes out every Monday morning. If you can subscribe by heading over to docstodads.com newsletter. Each week, my newsletter subscribers get bonus content that I write up either around the topic that we cover in the podcast, or it's an answer to a listener question, or lately it's been sort of Research that I've been doing from conversations I'm having with colleagues and friends about parenting stuff. But I take this really seriously. So I share, you know, a lot of really good information for you to up your game as a dad. This isn't some like three bullet point email that doesn't take any thought or effort and you throw immediately into the trash. This is something that I want to be meaningful for dads. I want it to be meaningful for you because I know that you take your responsibility as a dad seriously, and I take that seriously as well. So if that sounds something that you'd like to be involved with, I'll hope you'll head over to docstodads.com slash newsletter and sign up for the newsletter. There's going to be some other cool things coming to our newsletter subscribers soon, some video courses and those kinds of things. So jump over there and take advantage of that when those become available. Thanks, as always, to Phil Rabon for editing the show and our upcoming video products that are going to be on the website soon. If you're new here, or even if you're not, I'd love to connect with you on social media. Uh, Head over. I respond to every message that I get from listeners, and I would so love to hear from you. Nothing gives me more motivation and energy to do this than hearing from you, hearing either something that I... I said that resonated with you or something that you're struggling with that maybe I can do some research on as a pediatrician, or maybe I've seen, probably I've seen it in clinic and might have some some experience from others to share with you. I am sort of just a, a medium through which Some of this parenting wisdom is coming into the world. I don't have any great insights on my own, but I have some experience and I hope that I can share that with you. Uh, Tune in next week for another great episode. Again, by the time you hear this episode, our baby will be here. Uh, So sometime in the next few weeks, I'll share some updates about what happened there. So I'm going to uh, hopefully get at least one more episode, quote, in the can before baby comes. Thanks for your patience and understanding that there may be a little bit of a lag as we go through this transition in our family. I'm going to try really hard not to miss any weeks as we go forward, bringing you the podcast every Thursday on schedule. But I'll appreciate your patience as I try to make that happen. I'll be back in your feed next week either way. Until then, remember that what you do as a dad matters. Keep building healthier dads, happier kids, and stronger communities. Thanks so much. The information included in this podcast and other Docs to Dads platforms is intended for your education and entertainment only. It is not intended as medical advice and should not replace a relationship with a primary care pediatrician or other provider who will give the most appropriate recommendations for your individual situation.